Hello and top of the inning to you. Hello and top of the. Hello and top of the inning to you. Hello and top of the inning to. Hello and top of the inning to you. Hello and top. Hello and top of the inning to you. Hello and top of the inning to you. It's Irish Heritage Night down here in Wilmington, home of the Blue Rocks, and I just wish all of you out there could be with me here and having a pint of Guinness. That was probably way worse than I even think it is. Welcome to Let's Get To, your tour of America through the lens of minor league baseball. Baseball from sea to shining sea. And now, the first pitch. Opening thoughts from James Christopher. Presented by BaseballMapper.com. And welcome back to Let's Get To. I'm your host, James Christopher. We're going to get back out to the Blue Rocks in just a moment. But I was thinking about Charles Barkley, actually, which, yeah, I'm not your basketball friend. I, this is not a basketball show. But I've always kind of thought Charles was funny. Um, I, I've always been somewhat of a fan. And I was thinking about something that he had said, gosh, decades ago now, about athletes shouldn't be role models. And I think at the time, I fully believed it. And look, I don't think that it's an athlete's job to raise our kids. And I think that we do have, and we have forever, have had a problem in this country where we are not looking up to the right kinds of people. We are not, um, you know, I I used to say, if if you want to find a hero, go go to a VA hospital right? Or go down to the local fire station or go to an ER at three in the morning. Like those are real heroes, but like it or not, athletes get so much more exposure and they get more exposure now, even than when in Charles's day, because if, you know, in the rise of streaming and on-demand video, the only broadcast shows that really make money these days are sports. That's why we've doubled down. That's why you see 17 networks showing Major League Baseball. That's why you have the big deal that the Big Ten just signed with Fox because it's one of the few games in town. I don't think that it's an individual athlete's job to be a role model. I do think it's the job of leagues to make sure that they are respecting all levels of their audience. And I think that bears out in how we have seen Players treated with major offenses. Marcelo Zuna, most recently arrested for a DUI. Tony La Russa is practically drunk in every baseball game that he's managing. And the, the number of DUIs he, he has is actually getting laughable at this point. The Yankees have two people convicted of spousal abuse. I had to sort of choked down the fact that Roberto Asuna was a Houston Astro for a long time. And I just got to thinking, what are we doing? Why is it that we are saying on, on, in one hand, society's broken. We have all these problems we have to fix. Violent crime is on the rise. And on the other hand, being super okay with athletes committing things that would get other people in massive amounts of trouble but we're okay with it because they're athletes. 
there was a famous picture that went viral a, a couple days ago or a couple days before this was recorded. And it was a Browns, two Browns fans, you know, basically saying free Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson had like 24 complaints of sexual assault and or sexual harassment against him. And he settled them. So we'll never really know what happened. But I don't know what the solution is. I'm not saying that someone who gets convicted of these things can't A, rehabilitate and realize they did something wrong. And B, they still have to be able to earn a living. And maybe the solution is some financial um, financial punishment for the players, maybe not letting them have endorsement deals where they are in effect saying, I'm this kind of person by this product. I don't, I don't know really what the solution is, but I do know that we are going to really have to start to answer the question and find that question. Because as we see everybody kind of racing for the almighty dollar and they're sacrificing values left and right in the name of making a little bit more money, I wonder what the long-term repercussions of that are going to be. Because it does seem to me that if you follow this to its logical conclusion, there might not be much coming back from it. So I hope that we as fans can start to express ourselves to the NFL and to the MLB and, and NBA and, and all of and all of the other you know, college football. I mean, the fact that Baylor, Baylor is still playing college football. And if, you, if you're not from Texas or don't follow college, college football, we're talking about a systemic, organizational cover-up of several rapes. And I mean covered up from, if I believe the reporting, and I do, all the way up to Ken Paxton, the Texas Attorney General and Baylor graduate. We look at Trevor Bauer, who, and I actually, I really applaud the, uh, I applaud Rob Manford. That's like twice in, in two weeks, I think I've applauded Rob Manford, but for how they handled Trevor Bauer and how they are handling Trevor Bauer, where they realize beyond, I think, the moral right that we have to, if I'm a, that you, we have to kind of celebrate the right kinds of values from a business perspective. Do you want to run the risk of people boycotting your product because you would prefer to have drunk drivers and wife beaters and, and God, whatever Trevor Bauer was doing on the teams? And I hope that we get to a point where we actually do begin to stand up for some of those changes in a real major way. Again, Tony LaRusso, you guys, multiple DUIs. He never should have been given the job in Chicago. But that's that's our first pitch. I don't know why the, I woke up this morning. It was bugging me. I decided to talk about it here. In many ways, this is let's get to my therapist. But we had a great time in Wilmington, home of the Blue Rocks. We're going to get back out there to check out just exactly how awesome that day was and two very special people that I got to hang out with. St. Louis team, we have uh, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find out. I want you to tell me the names of the fellas on the St. Louis I'm, team. I'm telling you, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Do you know the fellas' names? Yes. Well, then who's playing first? Yes. I mean, the fellas' Who's names on, first, on first? Who? The Let's the Get To Team of the Week. The guy on first base. Who Presented first? by the Baseball Bucket List me? Podcast. I'm not asking you, I'm telling you, who is on first? I'm asking you who's on first.
So we are super excited to welcome to the show, Michael Galeda. He is the head of the, let me read, read, read that actually. So we're excited to welcome to the show, Michael Galeda. He is the director of web and creative services for your Wilmington Blue Rocks. How's it going, Michael? Good. How about yourself? Doing fantastic. Let me start off by asking, what does a director of web and creative services do? Okay. So my biggest thing here, I first big thing is I, I design all the graphic uh, material that you'll see on our social media, on our website. Uh, so I'm really just in charge of the branding of that. So when it comes to marketing, just making sure we're staying consistent with our branding, making sure we're obviously putting out eye appealing content so that we can not only help promote ourselves, um, you know, can help promote ourselves and, and bring people to the ballpark. I want to talk a little bit about you and how you went from, I presume, a kid who liked baseball to now being the voice of, particularly after the 2020 election, one of the most famous minor league baseball teams in the country. Well, ah, man, for me, really, um, I was always just an overall generally big sports fan. Um, being, I'm from the New Jersey area, so uh, I always grew up really into the four major sports of Philadelphia. So I think from, from a young kid, I've always really wanted to, to work in the industry some way. Uh, and then actually the really big connecting point for me was, um, you know, in, in high school, I kind of started doing some video production work, um, kind of realized at that point I could connect the two together. Uh, I kind of went from there. I got my early start uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles, actually, as a seasonal uh, employee. They're helping out with their um, a lot of their online broadcasts and things like that. And then I really broke out into baseball. Uh, it was my first internship, actually, with the, uh, the team in Trenton, the Trenton Thunder, oh. um, when they were at the time. Yeah. So that was really my first breaking point there. And uh, that's kind of really where I got it started in baseball. Well, as a Cowboys fan, I would like to end the interview. Uh, I kid, I kid. I I want to talk a little bit about the Blue Rocks because again, I sort of joked about them. They were calling it, I guess, the most famous parking lot in America during the post because that's where Biden was set up and and all that stuff. But, you know, it's, it's been a team that's been really, I think, seen as one of the best we actually had i think your predecessor on the show after they won the uh the carolina league but talk to me a little bit about just the connection of the wilmington blue rocks with the community of wilmington okay who was that at the time you're gonna ask me a question and i'm not gonna remember (laughs) but yeah tell me a little bit about the wilmington community and its connection to the team Oh, I think it's absolutely huge here. I mean, um, you know, I mean, obviously the one big thing uh, is, you know, we're one of only uh, two really professional sports organizations in the state. I mean, there's us here and, of course, our friends across the street, um, the Delaware Bluecoats. Um, so I think it's really big here. Obviously, um, one of the biggest things is just, you know, uh, uh, you know, sort of kind of part time jobs and all that sort of stuff we can bring together. But, you know, it's an opportunity, I think, really. Uh, for groups local in the area to be able to come together and have a good time at a baseball game. It's a good chance for us, uh, you know, to be able to give back to the community as well, whether it's through some of the various camps that we do, um, you know, whether it be ticket donations, having, uh, you know, theme nights revolved around groups and things like that. Um, so I think it's really important, uh, you know, not only to the community of Wilmington, but I think overall for, for the uh, entirety of minor league baseball, it's a really good way to give back to some of these smaller towns and some of these smaller towns that, maybe don't necessarily have access to, to um, you know, a major league stadium. I was looking at your guys' schedule, your theme night's coming up, and I noticed a Judy Johnson night. Yes. Care to explain? Oh, absolutely. So um, it's funny enough, actually, uh, we, very uh, Judy Johnson, um, a famous uh, Negro League third baseman who had played back uh, in the, between the late 1920s and the 1930s, 
um, had actually uh, was from the Wilmington area, uh, was elected into the uh, minor, uh, I'm sorry, the Pro Baseball Hall of Fame in 1975, um, and is considered by many to be to be one of the best third basemen to ever play in the Negro Leagues and in baseball overall. Um, so his impact on the area is huge. I mean, obviously we have the field that's named after him. Uh, it's Judy Johnson Field at Daniel S. Frawley Stadium is how we uh, is what we call the stadium here. Um, so obviously he's had a very big impact. Uh, we work very close with the Judy Johnson Foundation to have a, a tribute night uh, where we typically have some kind of giveaway. We actually are giving away a Judy Johnson tribute night baseball this year, uh, which actually funny enough, they just actually came in this morning. Uh, so we're really excited about that. Um, so yeah, we work closely with the Judy Johnson Foundation. They do a great job at, at helping bringing out former players that have played in the game. Um, you know, we've done things like we've worn the Kansas City Grays uniform or the Grays uniform as well uh, before. Um, and it's just really a good night to be able to kind of really connect deep with the history of baseball and a, and a, and a um, to me, a, a piece of history within baseball that up until recently was really just kind of, you no, know, uh, I don't want to say ignored, but wasn't really talked about too much. I mean, a lot of great players came from those leagues back in those days. I think it's really pivotal that we kind of preserve the history. And I think there are a lot of great organizations out there that are preserving the history and now even, you know, finding a lot of the old statistics and being able to kind of connect a lot of those pieces as well. Um, so I think it's really important um, for us to be able to, to be able to have that night, to be able to have that connection so that we're able to, to be able to hopefully teach something um, to, you know, to people that maybe never heard about Judy Johnson or maybe heard about um, the Negro Leagues themselves. So it sounds like you guys are ahead of the curve because I know, you know, minor league baseball is having the nine initiative. So lots of teams who didn't do it before are doing it now. And it does sound like you guys were kind of, again, pioneers in this, this, like you said, educating people on the fact that there was a lot of great baseball being played that we, that they weren't allowed to compete with white players. Yeah, definitely. We consider ourselves pioneers on that. I think there are a lot of organizations out there that do a great job on that. So, um, so yeah, when MILB introduced the nine, you know, we obviously felt like we were, we were a little bit ahead on that too. Um, and we're always looking for kind of ways to, to expand on it and grow on it as well. Um, I know last year we had introduced actually one of the streets nearby the ballpark was now being uh, fully named to Judy Johnson drive. Uh, we put up new street signage for it, things like that. Obviously we have the statue that sits right out front of our ballpark too. So, so yeah, you definitely say where we were ahead of the curve on that. Um, but I know there are a lot of great other organizations too that that really um really connect well with the nine and have connected with their local communities in regards to that history. And I think that's one of the most important services baseball. I mean, baseball does a lot of things. Minor league baseball does a lot of things. I think uh, education and reminder of of there was a past in that game. I think is super important. Yes, absolutely. All right, you want to play a little pepper? You ready? All right, let's do it. <laughs> Clear your head, okay? Because it's going to get random. We'll start off with okay. an easy one. What is your go-to ballpark food? Oh, it probably has to be uh, chicken tenders and fries. I'm a big chicken tenders and fries kind of guy. Okay. Um, Marvel or DC? I'd say DC. I'm just a big Batman fan, and that's really got to go with Batman, so I'll stay at DC. You're already my favorite guest ever. I, he sits on my desk. <laughs> there you go. Houston Astros, Batman combination, bobblehead. I love it. All right, what's the strangest thing you've seen at a ballpark? Strangest thing I've seen at a ballpark? Man, oh, there's too many of them to think. Uh, probably strangest one I've seen is uh, there was a guy who did come to a game once with, with no shoes on. Um, that was an interesting one. Very, very brave. But yeah, that was probably one of my more interesting ones. Do y'all have, I mean, is there, I don't, I've never seen a no shirt, no shoes, no service sign at a ballpark. Maybe. 
I don't know. That's weird. Okay. That's, that's I, up I can't, there. I can't say that was in Wilmington. That was actually uh, with the team I used to work for up in Staten Island. So that was in New York thing. So maybe that, that explains it a little bit, a little bit more. <laughs> it only counts if it was on um, pizza rats night. I, other than that, I don't think it, I don't think it counts. Um, okay. Uh, let's talk about your, uh, sorry, dogs or cats? Dogs. Okay. What's your favorite team brand in minor league baseball, not counting the blue rocks. I would say it would be the Staten Island Pizza Rats is one of my favorites. Yeah. I, I, that, whenever the, the whole contraction thing happened, that was one of the ones that hit the hardest. I was like, oh, they're gone. Hopefully the yeah, Fairy Hawks will sort of do that every once in a while. What's the first time baseball broke your heart? Oh, first time baseball broke my heart. Uh, well, being a Phillies fan, it was definitely probably one that we lost the Yankees in 09. <laughs> yeah. That was the team was Roy Oswald on that team, I think. Yeah, that was the that was the big um I can't remember it was when they had all four of those guys. Yeah, but they had Hamels Holiday and Oswald. Um and yeah, that was just it was supposed to be just a great pitching uh year. It was just supposed to be like the most dominant uh, starting rotation out there. It was just disappointing. And then, you know, Hideki Matsui, that's the one that really got him. It was really Hideki Matsui that I yeah. think really changed the piece. I think about that stuff and I think about having watched the Strohs lose a world series with Verlander, Cole, Greinke, and uh, Lance McCullough or Charlie Morton in the starting rotation. I'm like, how is that even humanly possible? Um, okay. Star Wars or Indiana Jones? Oh, I'm going to have to go with Star Wars. Okay. Kevin Costner as a cowboy or a ball player? Ball player. Okay. Uh Favorite spot when you go to a new ballpark, what's your favorite spot to sit? I like to try to, uh, I've been getting a real love for the outfield uh, seats lately. The outfield seats, I think have been giving me some of the better views. I think it's interesting because so many folks that work in your industry say the outfield. And I, I think it's because the, I think the pedestrian fan thing, Oh, behind home plate, but you really are limited in what you can see when you're behind. Home oh plate, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of it. Yeah, exactly. I also noticed the higher, the better, typically, too. The more elevated you are, you can see a lot better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. um, You're hanging out in Wilmington, Delaware, and it's February and baseball so far away. What is your go-to baseball movie? Go-to baseball movie? Ooh. uh, Probably has to be Sandlot. Okay. All right. So that wraps us up with Michael Galeda of your Wilmington Blue Rocks. Thanks so much for jumping on. I cannot wait to meet you in person in just about, I don't know, like two weeks or so, three weeks, I guess. I know. We're excited to to have you out here. I can't wait. From the bleachers, the let's get to game of the week. And welcome to from the bleachers. And we're coming to you from the bleachers, Judy Johnson field, Frawley stadium, home of your Wilmington blue rocks. It's Irish heritage night, but I promise no more bad accents, just a great ballpark experience. It's an amazing day in Delaware. It's an amazing day for baseball. So let's take in a Wilmington Blue Rocks game. When we first started the show, one of the main criteria we had as we went and found some of our first guests was the cool factor of the logo. Scientific, I know. And when we stumbled upon the Blue Rocks, it fit the bill. It walks the line between cartoony fun, but doesn't go full goofy. 
I also really dig the BR logo that Rocky Blue Winkle wears, a take on the old cap insignia from the first looks of the team. Adding the state of Delaware into the B is a nice touch. Nothing wrong with a little state pride, said the Texan. And of course, Rocky Blue Winkle, awesome. Judy Johnson was one of the best third basemen to play in the Negro Leagues. After playing, he stayed in the game as a manager, a scout, and a coach. He lived the remainder of his life in Wilmington, and it's so cool that the Blue Rocks honor him with the name of the ballpark. Now when you're called the Blue Rocks, it's a given that the color blue needs to dominate the ballpark. I love the shade they've chosen for the seats and the outfield wall. It's soothing when you first walk in, the ballpark practically empty, still quiet before the game. It's just very gentle and I dug it, kind of like being at the beach, but you're at a ballpark. Now for some reason, I take great comfort in the concourse being symmetrical. I don't know why, maybe sometimes it's just really hard to frame an odd shaped concourse. I'm back there in the outfield going, is that center, is that center? So thank you to whoever built the ballpark for keeping things even. One of my favorite things about the ballpark, it's super cool because you look at the blue wall and then you realize that right outside it is a parking lot and a street. It's really part of the community down there and lots of chances for free souvenirs for everyone. Centered near the iconic riverfront in Wilmington, Delaware, we were finally ready to play some baseball. Now there ain't no party like a Blue Rocks party and a Blue Rocks party don't stop and much of that is due to Rocky Blue Winkle. From setting up harps for the anthem, to hanging out with fans, to getting his groove on down the first baseline, to hanging out with semi-famous baseball hosts, he does it all and he keeps the crowd moving. And he's not alone. For 18 seasons, anytime the Blue Rocks get a run, here comes Mr. Celery. It's Irish Heritage Night, hence the lame accent at the beginning of the show. Now show me some of that Irish dancing, Mr. Jones. Actually, it's super impressive what these kids are able to do. I, for one, can barely get out of bed in the morning, and if I tried any of those kicks, I might die. They have the most epic dizzy bat race I've ever seen. So much spinning and one of the contestants eating it in a way, again, like I've never seen. Absolutely hilarious and I'm glad he's okay. The inflatable eyes running the bases, that might be a first. The winner winning while backpedaling and taunting the opponent was awesome. It's like the bat flip of between inning games. You might say he has an eye for showmanship. Get it? He was running in an inflatable eyeball. We also had dog day at the park, which meant a dog on the grounds crew? This pile of floof helped dad chalk the lines at home plate. Absolutely precious. Dog day, bark in the park, whatever. It's always one of my favorite days at the ballpark. Pooches are the best. Everywhere around you at the ballpark epitomizes the best of what this game has to offer. From banners marking the Blue Rocks place in baseball history, 
a beautiful park, good people who run it all add up to a great experience watching the greatest game ever invented. A blast was had by all. Great baseball day, great park, and an amazing baseball sky. Now on this show, I often get accused of being a little too romantic about baseball. First, it's my show, so, you know. Second, the world is a nasty, nasty place. So why not look at the bright side, find a little love in a world which seems to be driven by hate. In baseball to me, it's America at her best. And at this game, I got to sit with Tammy and Eric. When Jessica and I were stationed in Germany, they were our family, an army couple who gave 30 plus years to the country. Getting to share a Blue Rocks game with them made this evening very special to me, one I won't forget. It's hard to express on this show the bond I feel with Eric and Tammy and everybody else I served with. And if you don't fully get it, just trust me. Getting to do something as normal as sit in a ballpark with this guy, it meant the world. Now at a ballpark, you have old fans and new. And this young fan, well, let's just say the Blue Rocks found a fan for life. I love that Wilmington acknowledged this young lady and her first foray into baseball. She got a certificate memorializing the day, a memory she'll keep forever. Signed, of course, by Rocky Bluewinkle and Mr. Celery. Memories abound. So I ask you, why can't you be romantic about baseball? Show me the merch, fashion, baseball style. Presented by the Baseball by Design podcast. And welcome to Show Me the Merch. We're about to take a gander inside the quarry, the team store for your Wilmington Blue Rocks, one of the most recognizable and fun brands in minor league baseball. Let's take a look to see what they got on the shelf. The Wilmington Blue Rocks took the field for the first time in 1993 first in the Carolina League, and now in the South Atlantic League. The name Blue Rocks was chosen because of the blue granite found along the Brandywine River in Wilmington. And fittingly, they sport a powder blue, darker blue color scheme, and it's always a favorite combination of mine. And this combination looks great on all manner of stuff. Novelties, t-shirts, jerseys, caps, a perfect logo, a perfect color combination for a great baseball family. So again, a lot of fun stuff from the Wilmington Blue Rocks. Make sure that you're getting your stuff either online or even better, get out to the ballpark and catch a game yourself. But remember, whatever you do, stay away from third-party websites. Get it directly from the Blue Rocks. That way your money is going to help support this great organization. Holler and a Swaller, a chug of Ballpark Brew, presented by The Hitter Sports. And welcome back to Holler and a Swaller. We're having a great time watching your Wilmington Blue Rocks. You guys got to make sure you get out to this ballpark. It's really easy to get to. Land in Philly, 
drive 30 minutes and you're in a hot spot for really good baseball. So much baseball in this community as well. So again, if you're traveling, make sure it's part of your plan. I'm having a Wilmington, it's easy for me to say, Wilmington Brew Works Woohoo Brew. It's got their celery guy, which I assume I'll learn the name of before later on in the episode, who comes out every time there's a home run. So you say woohoo, and then you have a woohoo brew. Holler and a swaller, baby. Raiders of the Lost Diamond, digging into baseball's past. Presented by Patrick Larson. Now there's a red moon rising on the Cuyahoga River. Now listen, this right now, this section of the show right now on Raiders of the Lost Diamond is for an audience of one. Segment writer Andrew Nelson. You didn't think I would, was going to sing that, did you? You thought I was going to come up with some clever way to kind of avoid actually lending my vocal talents such as they are to the show. Well, I didn't, buddy. We could talk Cuyahoga River, but today... We're talking about the Wilmington Potomacs. The Potomacs began as an independent black baseball team in 1923 in Washington, D.C. The following year, they joined the Eastern Color League, now recognized as a major league since 2021. Manager and second baseman Ben Taylor skippered the Washington Nine to a 21-38 record at American League Ballpark in D.C. Taylor was also the Potomac's top hitter, a 308 batting average and three homers. He would also be elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2006. 51-year-old String Bean Williams was Washington's top hurler with a 3-1 record and a 412 ERA. After finishing 7th out of 8 teams, the Potomac's thought, hey, why not a change of scenery? So they moved to Wilmington. Donnie McClellan took the helm of the Potomacs as they opened their season at Harlan Field in Wilmington. After a dismal 3-9 start of the season, McClellan gave way to catcher Mark Eggleston. Unfortunately, Eggleston didn't fare much better, only managing a 7-12-2 record. Despite a shaky pitching staff and a less-than-impressive win total, Wilmington did have some standout offense. Third baseman Country Brown hit 404 with one home run and six stolen bags over 31 games, while right fielder Chaney White racked up a 377 average, five homers, and eight stolen bases. In mid-July of 25, Potomac's owner George Robinson announced that the team was folding and would be unable to complete the season. The Eastern Color League contracted to seven teams for the remainder of the 1925 campaign. For as much as that must have been a bummer, it was still better than living in Cleveland. See what I did, Andrew? I brought it back full circle. On the 
St. Louis team. We have uh, who's on first, what's on second. I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find out. I want you to tell me the names of the fellows on the St. Louis I'm, team. I'm telling you, who's on first, what's on second. I don't know who's on third. Do you know the fellows' names? Yes. Well, then who's playing first? Yes. I mean, the fellows' Who's on first? first? The Let's the Get Two Team of the Week. The guy on first base. Who Presented first? by the Baseball Bucket List Podcast. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you who is on first. I'm asking you who's on first. That's what Earlier in the season, we were supposed to get out to see the Lexington Legends, but with the cancellation of a flight, it didn't happen. I wasn't able to get to the game, and we weren't able to cover the team. But I still wanted to make sure that they got their coverage, so we decided to put them in this episode. As I was putting together this segment, I read that they had to cancel a doubleheader due to a shooting at the ballpark. Our thoughts and prayers and support are with the Legends community as they go through this awful time. The shooting occurred on August 27, 2022. The interview with Madison Spencer of the Lexington Legends was recorded on June 27, 2022. And now the interview with Madison Spencer in its entirety. And so we're super excited to welcome to Let's Get To Madison Spencer. She is the special projects and promotion manager for your Lexington Legends. Madison, how's it going? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Fantastic. I am excited to get up and get out to the airport tomorrow so I can get there and meet you in person and, and get out to see the ballpark. Yeah, well, Lexington's great. We've got a lot going on this season, so we're happy to have you. Um, let, before we jump into that, let's talk a little bit about you. Um how how'd you end up where you are? I mean, I presume you you started out as somebody who liked baseball, liked sports, and now you're working for a really winning tradition franchise in the Lexington Legends. Yeah, so it actually started off, uh, I went to UK, and I was a hospitality major. So we came here on a tour, actually, and I'm like, oh, this would be fun. They talked about internship opportunities, and I'm like, all right, I have nothing to do this summer. So I interned here as a hospitality intern and I just started seeing all the fan engagement stuff. And I was like, I think I was made for fan engagement. So I started off as a hospitality intern and then was a hospitality manager. And then our owner, Andy, asked me what I wanted to do. And I was like, I really love fan engagement, community relations. And so this year is my first year kind of in front of the show now as the promotions manager. So started off hospitality, thought I would want to do that, realized I'm not really behind the scenes type of girl. So now I moved my way up to the promotions. So what is it about the fan engagement? And that's, first of all, that's what minor league baseball is about, right? It's mm-hmm. about the fan, fan engagement. What is it about it that you like so much? Yeah. See, I wanted to work in sports because I like sports. And then I realized baseball is about entertainment. And I love when fans come in, whether they're dressed up for the theme night and just having a good time and just seeing fans having a great time just makes me love my job and want to have fun, too. Do you usually dress up for the theme night? Oh, I sure do. I love dressing (laughs) up and the promo team, too. I always tell the promo team I won't let them do something I wouldn't do, too. So whether it's dressing up as a hot dog or princess, anything we got to do. Well, and, and, you know, as a fan, and I think about my experience actually in Kentucky last year, we went to Bowling Green and they had their Halloween thing. And the Mm -hmm. fact that the GM on down was in costume and we were, too, it really does feel like it's all of us having a good time and not just a way to get somebody into the ballpark. Yes, no, absolutely. I think staff buy-in is really important to get the staff to buy or the fans to buy in as well. 
Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about the schedule coming up because I noticed some of the the theme nights and, and the theme nights and the promotions. And you know, again, I think that's something that um, Major League Baseball could really look to minor league baseball and learn how to do. Um, you guys are having on July seventh a competition for sexiest plumber in Lexington. Please tell me how that's going to go down because that's amazing. Yes. So we're reaching out to all the plumbers around Lexington, inviting them out. We're going to do a little pageant show beforehand. (laughs) We're going to have a dance cam. All the promotions are just going to be plumber related. Right now we actually do a Dizzy Plumber where we have a plunger and we have fans spin around it and then race like Dizzy Bat. So all the promotions are going to be centered towards plumbers. And we're really looking forward to the pageant show beforehand. That's that's just amazing. Um, the other big thing I wanted to talk to you guys about um, is is the whole Kentucky Wild Health genomes thing, right? So essentially, you're housing two ball teams. Um, talk to me a little bit about just where that where that came from and and how's it worked out. Yeah, so there needed to be another team in order for there to be an even number in the Atlantic League. And our owner, Andy Shea, he he's always dreaming big and thinking of other things that we can do here and just getting more fans here. And so he's like, how awesome would it be to have baseball here every single day for a sales perspective, too? It's nice to if groups couldn't make it in the past to a game with limited games this year, they have any day to choose from. So we actually have baseball here every Tuesday through Sunday. So it doesn't have to be just limited amount of time this summer now. You guys, uh, I mean, how has that worked for your team? I mean, are you guys like, is it still early enough the season that you're still fired up? Or are you starting to get a little bit like, I just like a nap? Yeah, well, we do a two team system. So oh. one week we'll be in the office, one team will be in the office and then the other team will be games and vice versa. So that really helps with burnout and everything. But we do as a front office, we, the sales team sells for both teams. The marketing department is marketing for both teams. So it's been nice to get experience with two teams out of a ballpark for sure. Um, All right. The last promotion thing I wanted to talk about, I'm a dog person. Um, Those of you watching the episode and hopefully you'll watch it back. I'm now putting up pictures of Vader and Quint, my two German shepherds. Um, You guys are doing on July 28th, Dog Adoption Day. Um, it's going to be a Wild Health Genomes Day. The High Point Rockers are in town. Um, what, I, that's a, something I'm not seeing mm-hmm. in minor league baseball. How is it going to work? And why did y'all feel like it was important? Yeah, so different humane societies are going to come out and have dogs up for adoption. So fans come and adopt a dog. We have Thirsty Thursdays every Thursday and Bark in the Park. So we were definitely thinking, you know, what else could we do to enhance our Bark in the Parks and our Thursdays? And so we really wanted to not only just invite dogs to the dog park, but bring awareness to how many dogs are in the humane societies around Lexington. I love that. Um, do you have a dog or will you be bringing home one home? Um, I've already told all my coworkers. I'm like, don't let me take them all home. <laughs> I have a big soft spot for dogs and animals and I have two right now. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> what are their names? My fans um, care. Bella and Zoe. Oh, okay. I love that. And I actually lied one last theme night and I'm going to ask this. I'm going to pretend to be like eye rolly about it. And it's only because in my regular life, I'm a high school teacher. And one of these came back after the pandemic. What's up with mullet and mustache appreciation <laughs> night? Because all I think about when I see my students, as I think of Ron Swanson, are the scissors in your house broken? What's going on? <laughs> 
Yes, a lot of our players actually have Maltz mustaches, so it'll be a good night to get them involved as well. But it is Kentucky. We see a lot of mullets in and out of the ballpark, so we thought it would be fun to have them out here. Anyone with a mullet or mustache gets in free. We're going to have a little competition who has the best mullet or mustache, and it should be a really fun night. I cannot wait to see all that. Hopefully, there'll be a lot on social media. All right, are you ready? Clear your head. We're going to play a little pepper. Okay. What is your, what's your go-to ballpark food? Oh, cheese fries. Okay. All right. You might be the first one to ever say cheese fries. There you go. You gotta have ranch. Marvel or DC? Marvel for sure. Okay. Um, What's the strangest thing you've ever seen at a ballpark? Strangest thing I've ever seen. Probably our owner, Andy Shea, wearing space cat pants on the genome's opening day. Space cat? Yeah. Like a cat in space? <laughs> space pants with cats on them. <laughs> I, I, I love everything about that. Okay. Um, all right. We, we, we might have already known the answer to this one. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Um, what's, the, what's the first time baseball ever broke your heart? Um, ever broke my heart? Hmm. I don't think it's broken it yet. It's well, still, it's still whole. Get out while you still can. Um, okay. <laughs> Outside of the legend of the legends, what is your favorite team brand in minor league baseball? I love the Rockies. I love all the special jerseys they do. The bobbleheads. Uh, I love following them on their social media platforms. They're always having a good time. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Um, all right. Star Wars or Indiana Jones? Star Wars. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Costner as a cowboy or a ball player? Cowboy. For sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know what? Everybody says ball player. And I'm like, dude, won an Oscar playing a cowboy. Plus, <laughs> plus we have Yellowstone, which means we get rip. Exactly. We actually have Yellowstone night coming up too. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. Um, all right. So you go to a new ballpark. Where's your favorite place to sit? Behind home plate. Okay. And your the last question on our pepper thing. Uh, what is your go to baseball movie? Hmm. Oh, that's a good one. Forty two. Oh, great choice! Great mm-hmm. choice. I just got back from Jackie Robinson Ballpark. Great choice. All right. So as we wrap up, then Madison, like I said, I'm coming out. I'll be out there tomorrow. I'm very excited. What's one thing you think I need to like eat, do, or see at the ballpark to really give me that full Legends fan experience? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's see. You definitely have to stop by our Kentucky proud stand. All our food is local and it is some of the best food I've had. And I've got to show you the view from the Pepsi deck. It is one of our group areas and it's the best view of the ballpark. All right. I cannot wait. She's Madison Spencer from the Lexington legends. Thanks so much for jumping on. Let's get to Thanks for having me. to close it out, the right-hander from Houston, Texas, James Christopher. And before we close it out, this was our first trip to see baseball in Delaware. We are on, or I am on, I should say, my quest for 50. So let's go ahead and turn Delaware from navy to rainbow and add the Blue Rocks to the map. So that does wrap us up on this episode of Let's Get To. We had a fantastic time watching your Wilmington Blue Rocks. First of all, I got a Blue Rocks jersey, and I know if you follow me, 
Jim getting a jersey isn't exactly breaking news, except this is my 100th. I'm always going to remember that I got my 100th in Wilmington. Plus, just a second ago, I saw two bunts in the same inning that were effective. I was told by young people that bunting was illegal in baseball. I hope you guys are enjoying the rest of our season. I know that by the time this episode comes out, there's really not going to be any minor league baseball left. But I want you guys to start looking at your calendar, start figuring out where you can go next year. It's a magical time. And I know that if you're watching the show, you've probably been, but maybe you haven't, and you've never really experienced the beauty that is minor league baseball. Get out there. You're going to see some crazy games. You're going to see really good athletes. You're going to see a lot of love in the ballpark. You're also going to be able to get you some peanuts, get you some Cracker Jack, and let's get to. Let's Get To is presented by Twitchy Dolphin Media. Creative Director, Jessica Bybee Jedgetts. Executive Producers, James Christopher, Andy Tom Chesson, and Scott McIntyre. Produced by Andrew Nelson and Eric Mertens. Associate Producers, Timothy Jedgetts and Jess Canaster. Music by Andy Bertelson, Grace Usselman, and On Holiday. All content created by Let's Get To is the sole property of Twitchy Dolphin Media. All content created by teams covered in the episode are the sole property of the trademark holders. Let's Get To is a proud member of the Curved Brim Media Network. This podcast is part of the Curved Brim Media Network. Here are some of the other members of Curved Brim Media. Hi, I'm James Christopher, host of Let's Get To, and we are going to be taking you on a tour of this great country through the lens of minor league baseball. That's right, from sea to shining sea, we're going to be looking at towns big and small as we explore the greatest game ever invented. This is Patrick. And Corey. Of BaseballMapper.com. And we have made an interactive map to help highlight all baseball teams from the majors down to collegiate summer leagues. We want to bring you closer to baseball. So get on the site and find a team near you today. Hi, this is Ed Rivera of the Data Chronicles. Join me as I interview people just like you and players, coaches, GMs on the path that led you to become a fan of the sport. What's up, Bucketheads? I'm Anna DiTomaso, and each week on the Baseball Bucket List podcast, I speak with a different fan about their favorite baseball memories, what the game means to them, and what's left to check off on their baseball bucket list. Hey guys, this is Patrick Larson from the Minor League Baseball Hat History Series, and in every episode, I go through the history of minor league teams through my personal collection of hats. You can find me on Twitter at at PatLarson1. I hope you guys enjoy. And I'm Paul Caputo. I tell the story of America, one minor league baseball logo and nickname at a time on the Baseball by Design podcast. Learn more about Curve Brim Media at curvebrimmedia.com.